sleepy computer. Hey, this is Sleepy Computer. Each episode, we generate a new story using AI, and they're basically shit. Uh, this week, we're kind of going back to basics. We're going back to episode one in that we're doing kind of a mystery. Oh my, I'm so, I think that the computer does the best mysteries. The computer is really good at mysteries because it knows things we don't, of course, and um, it's it's broadly capable of creating a story arc in which things happen. Mm. Now, is this a police procedural? Oh, that's a good question. Um, yeah, yeah, basically it is a police procedural drama, PPD. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready for one of those. Um, let's not miss about it. Let's literally get straight let's, into it. Okay, yeah. Um, it. So this is chapter one. Here we go. Gerald checked his phone. Still no messages. He was bored of his job at the gallery. As watchman, his nights mainly consisted of sitting at the front desk and going through paperwork. Most of the time, the only thing he was required to do was to patrol the museum at night to make sure no one was about to steal anything. He didn't mind it at first, but after a while he got restless. He was bored, so he started to fantasise about breaking into the museum himself and taking the piece of art that he always sees in the front lobby. There was a magnificent piece called The Dance of the Hours by Sandro Botticelli. It was made up of three women, one holding a cup to collect the hour, another one holding a mirror to show you how you looked, and a third one playing with a ball. I've not heard of this piece. I, you know what? I am in art, and I don't know this piece. I don't. I know Botticelli, but I'm not aware of this piece. I mean, I don't know how one catches the hour using a cup. Um, it's. I'm guessing. So in my head, I'm envisioning a, like a Salvador Dali sort of like melting. Oh, I see. Clock. Yeah, yeah. Into the cup. Into the cup. The liquidity of time, or whatever. Yeah. It's, you know what? If I'm honest, so far. It's this. This story is prime. It, it actually is coherent. It is first co- of all. It's coherent, yeah. And also, that painting is I would, in my I, head. It's, wonderful. It's a lovely painting, isn't it? He wondered if it would be as exciting to steal as it was to look at. He fantasized about stealing it for several nights in a row. On the morning of the thirteenth, he had made his decision, but he would never get the chance to steal it. That evening, there was a large crash from the main exhibition space. Gerald almost fell out of his chair and started running towards the source of the noise. He burst into the main hall of the museum and saw a man in a hoodie holding the Dance of the Hours by Botticelli above his head as he runs towards the exit. Oh my god. Intrigue right off the bat. And you know what? I like the fact that he's not necessarily a good person. Like, we're we're. He was going to nick it anyway. He's going to nick it. He... The main uh, reason he's annoyed is because someone's like beaten him to it. Someone's gotten it to it before him, and he wants it. Ugh, I love Gerald. Gerald races after the man, still shouting at him to stop, but the man gets outside and runs off. For a moment, Gerald hesitates. Should he chase the guy? Damn it, he says aloud. He wasn't quick enough to stop that guy. The cops would probably take days in tracing the theft to its original location, by which time the painting would be sold, and he'd never get his chance to steal it. Ugh... Gerald resigns himself to a long night of patrolling, but he doesn't get back to his seat in the front desk for another few minutes. I like that. Like, he's just like, I'm just going to carry on with the shift. Just, I yeah. just like make sure nothing else gets stolen tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, I guess he should report that, shouldn't he? He probably should phone it in, I think, rather like, than just being like, oh, ho-hum, back to the uh, desk. Shucks. Hopefully no one will notice in the yeah. morning. By that time, the night watchman has come back and told him not to worry about the museum anymore. He has basically been fired. 
Fair. <laughs> That's fair. Absolutely fair. That's fair enough. I mean, he didn't even chase the guy. I no, he gave him a brief chase and then brief thought, chase and then thought, ugh, can't be bothered. Across town. Oh, here we go. I love an across town moment. Great. Meanwhile, across town, Inspector George Sharples. Sharples. Oh, Sharples was scowling at a photo of the gallery. He'd just been assigned to the case and was furious at what he'd just learned. What has he learned? They're pretty quick moving, actually, to have assigned the... It literally just happened. And he's like, got it, done. I assume email. It was his first week on the job and he already had two men in custody. How? (laughs) All he had to do now was track down the burglar himself before he could get away or anyone got hurt. So wait, hold on. He has two men in custody... Oh, not from this case. Or is it from this case? We don't Does he know. have two men in custody from this case, but he doesn't have the burglar yet? What the fuck? <laughs> the thief was caught red-handed as he tried to escape through a window of a tenement building across the street. The two museum guards had found him trying to clean the frame with a dirty rag and some turpentine. Well, that's not going to help. But also, so he is, the thief has been caught, the burglar and the thief, which I assume are really synonymous, like they're the same person. Yeah. George was pretty pleased. This was an early breakthrough in what he imagined would be a very difficult case. He was determined to bring the rest of the pieces into custody and unravel this case before anybody else did. Of course, as he found out, it was far from over. After searching the thief, they had discovered a large bag full of stolen paintings under his bed. He must have been working alone, because no one else in the building matched the description of the other man. Okay, so that's my theory, just out the window. He must have been helping this guy get the paintings out of the museum, too. It looked like the guy was a professional, and George suspected he was stealing these items to order. He demanded the thief be brought in for interrogation by his best officer, Kate Kessel. A lot of the detective's work had been done already, and the thief's task would mainly be to sit in a chair and not move for two hours while the painkillers he'd been given wore off. (laughs) By that time, he should be in a position to answer some questions. George gave him a big grin as he left the room. Kate, I want your best. George whispered to her. Oh, sorry. (laughs) We need a lead, and we need it badly. The prisoner stared at them both in turn, trying to keep composed. He was a young black man with a very muscular frame, probably a bodybuilder or a dancer. Oh. He sat down in the chair without making another word and waited. His grin faded quickly as Kate took the floor. I'm going to ask you some questions. She began. I'm Kate. You're Kate. I'm Kate. fun. Kate was a high-rising figure in the police force. She'd been training for a day like today. Her father had taught her everything he knew, and he'd been the commissioner of police. She'd graduated at the top of her class and was quickly promoted, no doubt due to her family's influence. Now she was head of her own squad and a rising star in the force. She could have been assigned any case she wanted, but she'd taken it upon herself to hunt down the artists and collectors who were funding these crimes. The guys who actually committed the crimes got away with it. My first question for you is this. What's your name? Franklin, he said, probably wondering why she was questioning him. Kate paused for a moment. So you're a Franklin. (laughs) What do you do for a living? Franklins were usually white-collar types. Though the only thing he did for a living was steal the expensive paintings that were taken out of the museum. I'm self-employed. I design and build. He looked at her with some suspicion in his eyes. Apparel and furniture. Kate paused to look at him. Well, it's nice to meet you, Franklin. But I have to ask this because it's important. 
Are you or have you ever been a member of the Yellow Face Gang? No! <laughs> Absolutely not! <laughs> it sounds coded, doesn't it? That is. I don't it's, think that's coded. That is like pure. Like that's not a great name for racism. A gang. Hello. Well, it, hang on, hang on. The gang might refer to themselves as the Yellow Face Gang. It, yeah. Maybe it's like a war paint thing. You don't know. Okay, let's yellow up. Like what? No. <laughs> No, absolutely not. Well, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying that's the name of the gang. <laughs> well, how appropriate. The name itself made Franklin flinch, as did the question. A lot of people were put on trial for just being gang members, even if they hadn't committed a crime. George would have him locked up until they found out more. Absolutely not. I don't get involved in gang stuff, said Franklin. Kate furrowed her brow. She believed him. It was a dead end. She was under pressure from George to get results. Well, thank you for your time, she told him, and she left. The meeting was over. Franklin was taken down to the holding cells, while Kate walked into the main police station. It was then that she'd got the call she'd been waiting for. The thieves who'd broken into the museum had left a name with their stolen loot. A name and an address, in fact. Okay, well, then where is the mystery? (laughs) (laughs) It's all done. We can all go home. They told us. A name and an address, in fact. They were in a gang called the Black Hooks, and they'd been involved in several other burglaries around the city. George would be overjoyed to know this, and Kate knew that she'd have to find out what he wanted to do with it. She raced to the fourth floor, where George's office was, and told his secretary that she was there to see him. Five minutes later, he ushered her into his office, closing the door behind him. He looked at her with excitement and the thirst for vengeance of a man who'd been denied it for far too long. Kate began. Come on, George, I found something. They're in a gang called the Black Hooks, who've been involved in several other burglaries, mostly around the city. You know the ones I'm talking about, George. George had indeed heard of this gang. He was interested and intrigued by this chain of events. He motioned for Kate to continue describing the gang, while he grabbed his phone and made a quick call. He punched in the number belonging to the gang's leader and waited. Hello? Came the gruff reply. Gideon, I'm George Ferrier. Detective with the police department, I'm investigating a string of burglaries in the city committed by your Black Hooks gang. I wonder if I could have a word with you about it. A moment later, Gideon replied, Of course. I'll be there in 20 minutes. Gideon was always such a nice chap. You know, George said to Kate, That gang are actually pretty small. One man runs it. He's not really a gang member, though. He just uses the name to commit crimes. I wouldn't really expect him to kill someone over a detective showing interest in them, especially since he probably doesn't even know who I am. Kate mulled this over while she went through the procedure of making a pot of tea. George, being a man of action rather than a man of words, got straight to it. So wait, wait hold on, but in this, um, she's doing a tea ceremony? She's, she's, she's going through... She's mulling the matcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's going through the, the convoluted procedure. Let's get the gang leader in and show them that we've got... He paused to check the paperwork. Young Franklin here in custody. That might jog his memory about this art job. They bought in Black Hook Gideon Groves and made him sit in the next room. Flip yeah! I love that name! He looked nervous as he walked in and began pacing the room, fiddling with his dark glasses. Maybe he's blind. I don't oh. know. He could be, or we don't know. 
An awkward silence took hold as Kate went to make the tea. Again? <laughs> George simply looked at him, as though daring him to speak. After about five minutes, the boy finally broke the silence. So why exactly are you interested in speaking to me? Kate replied. I'm glad you asked that, Gideon. We're very interested to speak to you about the Black Hooks, but not for any criminal purpose. You see, we are simply officers in the art theft unit of the police department, and we were wondering if you wouldn't mind answering a few questions about your gang. The boy looked surprised, then thought for a few moments. All right, but let me tell you this. My answers may not be as detailed as you're used to getting from someone involved in a crime. But this is sort of out of the ordinary for me. I'm not a big details guy when it comes to giving statements to the police. Kate shrugged. That seemed fair enough. Go ahead. Well, it's a pretty long story. At this point, George interrupted her and said, It's okay. Keep going. Kate gave a look to George, as if to say, I told you he wasn't going to give us too much. The boy looked slightly annoyed that he was being forced to talk, but obliged anyway. Ah, uh, well, okay then. Where do I begin? It all started when I received a mysterious phone call from someone claiming to be called Frank. No surname, but that's a pretty obvious false name anyway. Who asked me if I wanted to join a gang? I wasn't really keen on the idea at first, but considering most other kids in my class have nothing but their gangsters to talk to, I thought it would be a good idea to get some more friends. As I got older, I finally accepted that gang membership was pretty much inevitable. I started looking around for a group to join. George was nodding, but Kate was shocked. It was such a bleak story that she couldn't help but interrupt. I've read about gangs. I thought they were all much more violent than yours. Gideon looked slightly confused for a second before realising she was talking to him. Oh, you mean the popular gangs in school. They're there for show, really. We do what's necessary to keep control in the city. Make sure no one fucks with us. Kate respected this in a way. Tell us about the art theft, she offered. Sure. That was one of the easier ones. We just needed one disenchanted rich kid with a lot of time on his hands and who was willing to risk a year in juvenile prison rather than stealing a 5,000 pound painting. It's amazing how many people are willing to do that here. And that's Franklin? George asked. No, I've never heard of the kid, says Gideon. That's what I've been trying to tell you. He's not one of ours. We weren't due to try and make a move on this piece until September. Whoever he is, he's got good info. But how do you know he didn't just steal it and try to frame you? Kate asked. Gideon stared at her as if she were stupid. Because that's pretty damn obvious, Kate. Why the hell would a gang that takes out a year-long contract on a single kid steal a painting from a museum? Kate didn't answer, but that didn't stop George from taking up the argument. Right, but it's pretty clear that you were involved somehow. Could knowledge that you were trying to take the painting have made its way into the wrong hands somehow? Gideon thought about this for a minute, but he wasn't convinced. Yeah, it's pretty unlikely. But I guess if it did, it would be all the more reason to kill Frank and me. George gave a short chuckle, 
which didn't make Gideon's blood boil as much as you thought it would. <laughs> Kate remains silent. She was thinking about the ramifications of this. Perhaps this gang weren't involved at all. It seemed an unlikely coincidence, and she didn't believe in coincidences, or luck, where gang violence was concerned. It had to have a deeper meaning. If you haven't stolen the painting, and you aren't involved in the crime, what's the reason for the contract on you? She asked. Gideon didn't seem put off by her directness, but then he had no reason to be. Listen, I do work for people, and I get paid, Gideon said. Sue me. I work hard, and I enjoy life. Why should I give a bunch of old, rich fucks money just so that I, I can be an example, when I could go get shot of another way? So, you do have a master, George started to say, but was interrupted by Gideon, who hadn't even been listening. Yeah, and don't think for a second that they aren't going to find out what happened here. It's not like this fire killed them. Kate had absolutely no idea what that meant, but George seemed to understand enough. Okay, Gideon. Get out of my sight, he said. He was free to leave without charge. Kate figured they'd better keep Franklin in until they had a better idea about who he actually worked for. If not the Black Hook gang, then maybe a rival gang. Gideon left, and Kate said to George, So what's the real story on those guys? I don't know all the details, but they were put under a lot of pressure to sell recently. And one of the owners had been recently having an affair with one of the brother's wives. It got pretty ugly, and they finally agreed to sell or else. George didn't sound sure of the explanation himself, but Kate simply nodded. It sounded complicated. Gangs were always so complicated. Kate got up and invited George into her office for a debrief. George asked for his usual coffee order. Can I have uh, two with two sugars and a large skim milk? Just like you like it. Kate always had a feeling that he was remembering the last time he had visited her when she made his coffee with three sugars. As he was waiting, Kate started to put on some music. It was a small vinyl record player she found in a charity shop, and she was forever spotting rare vinyl for it. What are we listening to today, Kate? Asked George, gyrating to the rhythm of the music on the couch, <laughs> while Kate served him his coffee. Are you sure you should be sitting? Don't you have work to do? She asked. But George was enjoying the music so much that he didn't notice his immodesty. <laughs> Maybe he's nude. Kate, Kate rolled her eyes. The song is from a band called Poison. Poison? It's from the late 70s. Kate then placed a record on the player. I can't believe it. You've never heard of them? Where the hell did you get this from? How could you have lived without it for so long? She squealed, jumping onto the couch beside George while he sipped his coffee. Honestly, I can say I've never heard of them, replied George, as the sisters of the main singer filled the room. Don't you um, hate it when that happens when you go, I've never heard of this guy, and then their immediate family <laughs> just burst into your living room <laughs> to beat you up or something. Drink your Ribena. Yeah. They were from Liverpool. If you'd ever been there, you'd know that's practically a crime. <laughs> I think she's trying to say that not knowing... The band is a crime. Not, not, not that being from Liverpool is practically a crime. They were one of the greatest new wave bands of all time. Their songs are full of energy and the singer has a great voice. Well, next time I'm in Liverpool, I'll have to give them a listen then. You're not going anywhere for a long time. You've got a case to solve, said Kate. And she was right. They were basically back to square one. At least they had Franklin in the custody suite downstairs. Do you have any contacts in the city? Kate went to her filing cabinet and started flicking through her files, looking for the one she was looking for. Great, great description. Oh, no. Great job. 
A few. I know someone, but I'm not sure they're going to be helpful. I might have to go with an offer to help. Oh, what's that then? Kate asked, finally finding the file she needed it and placing it on the table in front of her. An old hairdressing friend. <laughs> an old hair... <laughs> <laughs> it's not that funny. People didn't have haircuts during the war. An old hairdressing friend of mine from the war. Quipped George. At least I think she's my friend. Dios mio! She's German. Ugh. I'd forget my arse if I tried to walk in that thing. George looked up at Kate. But I'll do it anyway. Good. Ask if she's seen or heard of Elas Munford. Tell her it's really important. George... <laughs> oh. George laughed, then walked over to Kate. She's probably seen him. That nutter lives around there somewhere. What's he got to do with this case? Kate raised an eyebrow. She'd uncovered a link between Elas, a notorious drug lord in the area, Mm -hmm. and Franklin, the thief who'd stolen the art. The link being that Elas owned a beauty parlour where Franklin had previously worked. George placed a hand under Kate's chin. (laughs) So this is appropriate workplace touching. Look at you. I want you to channel my, my, my. What a sad little life, Jane. Look at you. You're all dressed up and you haven't got a man. Well, let's go solve this case. Kate was a little taken aback. She'd been looking for a man, but she hadn't found the right one. But stormed out of the room to interview Elas. Meanwhile, George headed over to a... (laughs) Sorry, sorry. That's me. Sorry. I forgot that... I'll give you a spoiler. This whole section feels like it's setting up something that we're going to come back to, and I know we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, George headed over to his friend's home. He knocked on the door and let himself in. He was immediately met by a woman, not too dissimilar to his late wife. George Sharple! She squealed, jumping onto him and kissing him on both cheeks. Good to see you too, Evie, he said, returning the hug. George and Evie had been good friends ever since they met during the war, when they both served in the Royal Air Force. The pair of them, now in their 60s, still met up for coffee every now and again at the local cafe, which was pretty much the only time they saw each other. George, tell me what you're doing here. I saw you come in and I walked over to say hello, but I can see you're busy. George ran his hands through his thinning hair. You know, Evie, Bob Foster. The chief of police, interrupted Evie. Yes, Bob thinks that I might be a good candidate for the top job. You know he retires this year. Yeah, I've heard says Evie, brushing crumbs off her apron. Well, he's been holding a few cards close to his chest for me. I'd love to see you, though. It's been far too long. It has. I'll tell you what, come over tonight for dinner, and I'll tell you all about it. George smiled. That sounds wonderful. I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'll be there around 7.30. The pair of them hugged again, and George left. So that she never comes back. (laughs) He doesn't even go to the dinner. (laughs) (laughs) He just ghosts her. I guess maybe it's backstory for George. It's like, because there's this like cliche, a cliche, by the way, that we've already used of like the cop whose wife's walked out because he's addicted to his job. But we know that his his wife is already gone, is dead. And he's she dead. Yeah. A late wife. Um, No. Well, both, I guess. But uh, he uh, he's obviously hanging around with. You know, maybe he should have been with Evie. Yeah, maybe. 
No, not all the time. I think of nothing else. Across town, Kate was knocking on the door, Foley, of the beauty parlour owned by Elas Munford, which was called Sensuous in the files. It was painted a bright yellow to match the underwear hanging from the windows. Oh! <laughs> but also, there's the micro detail there. The underwear was pre-existing and then they thought oh we're gonna paint let's paint to match the underwear not buy underwear to match the paint <laughs> she heard someone shuffling around inside and finally opened the door herself to see elas standing there pulling his trousers up i thought that door was locked said kate it is he said looking embarrassed can i help you elias not his name she stated do you know anything about a man called franklin hunt elas looked a little puzzled but he did up his trouser. <laughs> Elas looked a little puzzled as he did up his trouser fly. Mm, I recognise the name, he said. Well, do you know him? No, I don't believe I do. Have you ever had any dealings with him? Not that I can recall. Do you know where I could find him? No, I don't think so. I'm afraid I don't have many connections in this city other than the girls I work with. Do you know anything at all, anything, about a painting that was stolen a few months ago? Elas looked taken aback. What? No, I know nothing about that. You sure? You seem a bit surprised. Yes, I'm sure. Now, if you don't mind, I have work to do. Okay, said Kate. I'll be leaving, man. Wait, you didn't tell me your name. Kate. Kate Miller. Don't worry, I'll be back with a warrant. Oh, <laughs> Kate walked out the shop, frustrated. She continued to mull over what she'd found out about Franklin while she waited for George at their regular meeting place, a secluded bench in the park. She didn't know if he's the guy, but Elas seemed very sure he didn't know anything about the painting. Maybe I should talk to some of the other girls that Franklin worked with, she thought. A couple of them are working at the Dream Cafe now, but they won't talk to me, she said aloud to no one in particular. What's this about a cafe? Asked a familiar voice. George strode up to the bench, smiling. You're talking to me? I thought you were going for a late lunch, Kate said, getting up. Can I join you? Sure, I was just about to leave anyway. Kate sat down and George sat next to her, smiling. So you wanted to talk about what Elis said during the interrogation? He began, getting straight to the point. Yeah, you don't think he knows anything, do you? He gave me nothing at all. I honestly don't think he even remembers hiring Franklin. It was nearly a decade ago. She looked at him in surprise. You think one of them did it? I don't think any of them did it. I just think one of them knows something and isn't telling. That's pretty outspoken of you, which is one word in the script. <laughs> she said, getting up. Just doing my job. He walked with her to the cafe entrance. Kate knocked on the door of the cafe, which was full of the delicious smells of a good Italian meal. Ah. Oh. She heard a groan from inside. Oh my god. <laughs> so swearing. <laughs> she heard a groan from inside and some swearing in response. Somebody opened the door and Kate walked in. A dozen heads turned towards her, glaring at her as she entered. She returned the stare, taking in the appearance of each face as they all turned back to talking amongst themselves. The police were never welcome in Italian restaurants. I don't think that's entirely true. <laughs> never mind at this time of night. One of the waitresses ran over to her. Cara, come stai? <laughs> she began to speak rapid Italian at Kate. I didn't know you knew Italian. 
Oh, yeah, no, I absolutely do. Hello, I'm Kate Miller. I have some questions, Kate replied in kind, gesturing for her to speak up while looking for someone in charge. The girls continued to stare at her before finally turning back to Kate, who repeated herself. This is hopeless, she hissed at George, who was having similar luck getting another of the girls to talk. Kate pulled out a picture of Franklin, and one of the girls sprinted for the kitchens. George, get after her, Kate shouted, as George nodded and chased after her. He caught up with her after she'd put a boiling saucepan lid on the gas ring in the kitchen oven. Stop! Raise your hands! He shouted, grabbing her. She kept walking... (laughs) Has he grabbed her or not? She kept walking towards the other side of the kitchen and around the counters to a walk-in fridge, continuing to try and unlock it. Come to me, slowly. Kate repeated the order in Italian. I'm not going to do that. Before turning to George. Give me your taser. George passed Kate the taser, saying to the girl. It's okay, we just want to talk about Franklin. She slowly raised her hands as Kate fired the taser at her. Oh, (laughs) Bad cop, no donut. She collapsed to the floor. Kate quickly turned her attention back to George and repeated the process with the next girl who raised her hands after seeing the taser hit her friend. Kate, I'm not sure either of those were strictly necessary. George scowled. But he understood. Tasing people was pretty brutal, but sometimes necessary. Kate walked over to the gas oven and fired it up, heating the room quickly. Jesus Christ, Kate! (laughs) Why? (laughs) Maybe it's cold back there, maybe that's the idea. Who's Franklin? She repeated again in Italian, while keeping an eye on the girl who was still on the ground, visibly starting to feel the effects of the heat. The girl gave no answer, and Kate repeated her question in English. Who's Franklin? She asked in English for good measure. Uh, Franklin, you... St- <laughs> Wait, hold on. Italian. Franklin used to work with me. One of them said in broken English. He was a, a bad beautician. I think beautician is not broken English, right? He was an asshole. He fired me, interjected another. Kate started writing notes while she listened to them talk. One of the waitresses took a few plates from the oven, but kept an eye on the girl on the ground. (laughs) After about a minute of talking, Kate stopped taking notes and looked up at them. Kate asked them to come down to the station to give statements, and she and George left. She was frustrated. It's not enough, George, she said. I need more. I need the link between Franklin and the organised criminals. She returned to the station, trying to think of what else she could do. She sat at her desk as Greg walked in. You're back, he said. There's been a development. He walked past her, over to the fridge. Dude, I'm starving, he yelled, getting no response. He opened the fridge and took out a few bits and pieces. Greg, if it isn't the slowest forensic investigator in the known world, get out of my fridge, said Kate. You're just cranky because you didn't have breakfast, he said, taking out a ham and cheese sandwich and eating it. That is not the problem at hand, said Kate. We have had an organised criminal development since you were at the club last night. If you want to help me crack this case open, we should go and see Franklin and his friends. Greg jumped up in the air, getting crumbs everywhere. Yes! Finally something to do! He yelled, so happy he didn't even realise how dirty he had made the floor. (laughs) I think because he's dropped crumbs, not because he's soiled himself. (laughs) Kate couldn't help but smile. What? asked Greg. I clean up after me, he said, walking over to the sink and starting to wash his hands. I'm excited because I have great news from the lab for you. 
he continued. It seems like the print found at the museum was put there by an organized crime member. Kate looked up. I'm listening, she said. An hour ago, he explained, a man was pulled over on the freeway for speeding. He was arrested and found in a car with over $5,000 in cash and several guns. Police are not sure who he works for, but it sure isn't legal. We did a routine prints match, and guess what? It's the same prints found at the museum! Kate took out her notepad. Interesting facts. We know the perp is an organized crime member, but what if he was the one driving the getaway car? Can you describe him? We can compare him to CCTV. Greg took a swig of his Coke before answering. Uh, he's an average-looking guy, about average height and weight, I think mid-40s, bald with small mustache and beard, uh, t-shirt and jeans. I'd say he was roughly my height and weight, but thinner? It was a pretty broad description, but it matched the driver. You know, said Kate, I think we just might be getting somewhere. Let's go and see Franklin, she told Greg. They drove to the warehouse and parked up the road a little. Kate walked up towards the front door and Greg followed behind her. She knocked on the door, and a guy in a banaclava opened it. Yeah? He said, slowly, looking at both of them. We're police, said Kane. We need to see Franklin. Oh. It was pretty normal to keep high-risk suspects in safe houses when organised crime were involved. It helped protect them from witnesses and enemies, and it was pretty much the bare minimum you needed to be able to hold someone in case they put up a fight. The fact Kate knew that meant she had to be an important cop so either a high rank or a witness protection program. Either way, this made things more interesting. What's your name? She asked in the doorway. He looked down at her name tag and then at her face. Zanny. Okay, well, Zanny, can you let us in so I can speak to the suspect? Zanny looked skeptical, but he opened the door wider so they could come in. Just wait by the pool table in the games room while I get Franklin, he said as they entered the large warehouse. Uh, and obviously most warehouses have a, a games room. Well, yeah, obviously. The billiard room. <laughs> they walked past the desk and into a large open room with a swimming pool, foosball table, many couches, and a huge plasma screen. Greg was impressed. Whoa, this place is wicked, he said. Well, thanks oh. for the armchair tour, Kate said. Now, where is Franklin? They heard footsteps coming up the stairs, and then a man appeared. He was shorter than Kate, <laughs> but almost as wide. <laughs> oh my god. He had clinking metal pieces in his mouth, which were probably dentures, and he was wearing a dingy white short sleeve shirt and cargo pads. It was Franklin, all right. Kate greeted him by name. I see you have new teeth, she said, taking out her... I see you have new teeth, she said, taking out her gun and pointing it at his head. He flinched, but said nothing as she frisked him, finding no weapons. Then she cuffed him. We know you're working for organised crime, Franklin, and the bad news is we caught your buddy driving around with a load of cash. His prints were all over the gallery. At this point, Kate held out a hand, and Zanny gave her the bag of money. This was dropped off for you earlier at the station. I see you're still making it rain, she said. I got a job, was all he said in response. It's for a lawyer. Greg interjected. It seems like someone is trying to protect you. Doesn't want you talking too much. Right, Kate said. We'll have you back to the station. For now at least you're safe there. 
She led Franklin away and he said nothing, just sat in the passenger seat of the police car with his hands cuffed in front of him. Kate and Greg walked back to the truck. So what do you think? He's definitely a baddie? She asked. Definitely, Greg replied. Kate smiled. She liked getting baddies and locking them away. It was part of the job, and she was really good at her job. Greg was just very lucky that she was the one who caught his cases. Greg stammered. You know, Kate, um, perhaps sometimes this week we could catch a movie or something? She raised an eyebrow. Are you actually asking me out? He just nodded, feeling his cheeks burn. Kate smiled. Yeah, sure, I'll drive you home. (laughs) Not what I asked, Kate. (laughs) Kate felt a pang of guilt. There had always been a spark between her and George, but he was her senior officer, and that would be wrong. Greg, on the other hand, was a newish recruit, and they'd been on a few missions together. It would be perfectly acceptable for her to go out with him. There were a few films that she wanted to see too, like the new Batman movie. With a smile, she got into the truck, and they were off. They didn't speak much on the way there, just held hands and looked at each other, enjoying the moment. Oh, that's nice. Greg parked the car, even though I think Kate was... Yeah, I think Kate was driving. (laughs) She specifically said... She can't parallel park or something. She's like, can you do it? Greg parked the car and they held hands as they walked into the lobby. Which film would you like to... I love that that he's like, later this week. (laughs) And and then she's like, immediately, let's go. We're going, we're going. Franklin, by the way, still in the back of the car. Absolutely. <laughs> we're going to go watch Batman. So you just sit there and try not to get and murdered. Think about what you've done. <laughs> try not to get murdered by the, the crime group. Which film would you like to see? Asked Greg, taking out his phone. She thought for a moment. Let's see. Oh, Baby Driver. Yeah, that one. Oh, perfect he said, quickly typing in the details and clipping his phone onto his belt. Oh my god, he's of got course, like a dad pouch. Of course he does. Of course he's got a phone clip. Ugh. They walked to the <laughs> They walked to the counter and waited in line. Finally they reached the front and Greg told the woman behind the desk his name. <laughs> As if that was necessary at the set of her, by the way. She looked up and scowled. <laughs> I told you not to interrupt me again, Grayson. She hissed. Sorry, ma'am. We just need to see a film, please. Her lip curled slightly. Fine, but don't make this place a big police house. (laughs) Which is which is obviously something you've got to be worried about. If you're running a cinema and all the police are coming in before you know it, bam! It's a police house. Like like a herd of antelope. Yeah, the police. Yeah, that's a big problem. Greg pulled out his wallet and gave her some money. She gave him the key card and told him to have a nice stay. <laughs> this is a cinema, right? Yeah. They headed up to the room and Greg opened the door with his key card. Inside was a giant film. <laughs> oh, that explains that. Oh. It was split into several different sections with a large blue curtain, behind which were the props and set decorations <laughs> for that part of the film. He led her to the set where Baby Driver took place and pulled out his phone. <laughs> Again, always pulling out his phone on a date, Greg. So is this also like a? It's an it's an immersive it's three D film experience. Gotcha. Where instead of watching the film, you just visit the set, (laughs) or like a hotel room that is the set. It's a bit like an escape room, maybe. I actually love this. This might be an actual idea. TM TM. He quickly typed a message and pressed send. 
The lights in the room went low and Greg stepped back as the sound of Baby Driver began to play. With every single note came the whoosh of cars as they entered the stage. She felt his hand reach around her shoulder and she was a little hesitant. Then she felt his hand on her thigh (laughs) and her fears were all gone. Oh, good. They enjoyed the movie, and at the end of it, she felt him kiss her hand as he held it out to shake on a deal for another time, which is always how I end a date. Obviously. With a nice formal handshake. And then, if it's gone well, a little kiss of the hand. (laughs) (laughs) And a, a, a legally binding agreement to meet again. He gave her a devilish smile and left the room, leaving her there by herself. She left the stage and headed to the waiting area where she saw several people hanging around, laughing and chatting. This was difficult for Kate. It could be the biggest case of her career so far, and she didn't want to get distracted. So it was either that, or face the fact that she liked him. Oh no. But she didn't know if it was love, or just infatuation. (laughs) Similar. Going a bit fast, Kate. But one thing was certain, she wanted to spend more time with him. His face was so attractive, with sharp cheekbones and a strong jaw. His hair was tussled, and it looked so sexy getting lost under his Davis police hat. She knew she'd better take all this time to spend with him, because they didn't know how things would line up in the future. There might be some risk in liking a fellow officer, but then Kate has never been one to worry about that sort of thing. Okay, she's a rebel. The next day, when she came into work, George was already in her office, bouncing. <laughs> just just oscillating on the spot. <laughs> he's gyrating, he's bouncing, he does a lot. George. Rebecca called, said they got the picture. Who's Rebecca? she asked, confused and a little worried about what was coming. The gift courier. She's on her way with a package. Obviously, who doesn't know the name? Obviously. It felt like all hope in not having a shit day was lost. She always got some weirdo or psychopath trying to send her flesh. And last time, she, she received an arm. Oh my god. She Okay, stop with the painting. There's an actual killer on the loose. And they're sending body parts to her. Kate! And like, who's signing for all these body parts? Jesus. They're like, oh, reception. They're like, oh, that, that'll be for Kate. It smells like rock flair. Yeah. Well, just oh put it god. with all the others. I think she's it's... probably got enough to make a new police officer, like a Frankenstein Oh my monster. god. She should try. Yeah, she should. That would be a good ending to this. I wonder if it's going to go that way. I don't think it will. Don't worry, it won't be like last time, said George, reading her face. Okay, do you know what's in it then? She questioned, trying to remain hopeful. Oh yes, it's a signed photograph from that awful murder doctor. (laughs) You're fucking kidding me. (laughs) He quickly shook his head. Fucking hell, George. (laughs) 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 Fucking hell, George. Why the hell has nobody ever sent you something filled with diseases and death? I'm just popular. (laughs) He said. People only ever send me chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) So she gets body parts. He gets chocolate. He just gets like a nice milk tray. Let me guess. A box of chocolates, she asked, raising an eyebrow. And are they sufficiently... Wrapped. He laughed. Just as... (laughs) Just as she was about to bring up how he didn't wrap them, her phone went off. She looked down to see a number she didn't know. (gasps) Oh, no. Hello? Hello? Is 
this detective? Yes. This is Dr. Grange. Dr. Grange worked with Greg at the forensic lab. This could be good news, she thought. I remember you, she said. Of course. It has been a while. I wonder if I could trouble you for a glass of water. But like, who phones people for a glass of water? Well, and also, why would she get him a glass? <laughs> I feel so Dr. Grange is just a massive character. <laughs> well, we'll see, won't we? This again, thought George. Just a moment, she said into the phone and then turned to George. A Dr. Grange from the forensic lab wants to speak to me about a case. She explained to him what the caller said and he seemed unimpressed. These doctor types were always asking for ridiculous things, like a glass of water. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous. George looked at her. You know what this call is about then? She gave him a side eye to see if he knew, but didn't seem to know either. He just shrugged and got up to get off the chair. This is about the case you were so keen on earlier. She continued. Uh, Some guy called Greg is here from the forensics lab in Germany. Um, the door opened, and Greg stepped in. Oh, it's Greg. <laughs> Goodness, but the man had aged. How? <laughs> it has been like four hours. Stop, stop. I cannot stop, that, I've started. Exit Dr. Grange. Okay, she's gone. Goodness, but the man had aged. He, <laughs> it had only been two or three <laughs> years, but he was a world away from the young and jovial Greg that she remembered so well. How the fuck did this happen? Now his eyes had dark circles underneath, his hair was completely white, and he was tired out by the flight. And honestly, who could blame him? Yeah, from Germany. Oh, you went to Germany in that time. Greg, Jesus, you look awful, said George, running to him and giving him a huge hug. What the hell have they been doing to you? Hmm. Did they do this to your face too? While they were around? He asked, poking at his cheeks and making him wince. Please, Greg, it's okay, said Kate, grabbing his arm. Take a seat, I'll get you a drink. She couldn't believe her friend had aged like this, and yet the lab had aged around him. She was so proud of him, of all that he'd achieved. This was a moment that she will always remember. You'll never know how much this meant to be, she thought. As she ran off to get him a drink, she caught sight of herself in a full-length mirror. Her hair was tied back in a bun. Her pencil skirt and jacket made her look more professional, more authoritative. She commanded respect now. No longer was she the feisty young Kate that Greg took an interest in. She had grown up a lot in a short time. He once said that he knew she would be a great one one day. It's a very short amount of time because I think it's been 20 minutes. And here she was, with him. She came back with two glasses of water and handed one to Greg. Greg, what was so important? <laughs> Greg, what was so important? You had to age for almost ten years in two hours just to tell me. Greg took a sip of water, swallowed and winced. Damn, that's too sweet. Where are the convo documents? He looked at Kate and annoyed. Don't you hear it when the tap water is just... Just too damn sweet. It's just too sweet. They should stop putting sugar in the water. They should probably stop it. He looked at Kate in annoyance. She started pushing some pens and paper towards him. Probably the convo documents. She didn't really know what he was talking about. He placed his hand over his brow and wiped off some sweat from his forehead. Kate, listen. This is very important. I found evidence. Kate was so far unimpressed. That is your job, Greg. 
Greg seemed to have had enough of this woman. Her <laughs> smugness, her insults, her haircut. Would he never be able to shock her? Listen, Kate. He spat out with disdain. There are electronics in these pens. <laughs> what? <laughs> After spending more than two weeks with this woman, he still didn't know if he could trust her. He had to give it to him. She'd been doing a good job of acting unruffable for the whole time. The pens! He shouted, making a jump. They were pathologically modified, Kate. He turned to his computer and pulled up a 3D render of a pen embedded with a listening device. George leapt up and used his radio. This is an urgent alert. Remove all pens from the station at once. We repeat, all pens. Why the fuck didn't you tell me that before, Greg? You just found out about this two hours ago, Kate shouted. Pens, he insisted. She grabbed her coat. Fuck this, I'm leaving. She started to leave. Greg tried to grab her shoulder, but she slapped his hand away and left. He shook his head in disbelief and walked over to the door, closing it. You can see why I needed this information earlier, right? She looked back at him, standing by the door. He never ceased to amaze me, Greg. Pens. (laughs) George was in absolute shock. This explains how they've been a step ahead of us the whole time. Greg corrected him. No, that's not the reason why I waited. George didn't reply. He just walked back to his desk and sat down. Greg took a deep breath. The other day, you told me to wait until you found out more about the art theft. Well, I found it. It was a big break. I'd finally found some incriminating information on the Black Hook gang. But I knew if I told you, they'd find out. I just didn't know how... So I sat on it. What's in the convo? She asked. It's records showing that Franklin was contacted by several members of the notorious crime family, the Donovans. Jason Donovan. Jason Donovan. They ordered him to frame the Black Hooks for that heist as payback for whacking their moneylender. What? Why would the Donovans do something like that? Who knows? They're a ruthless gang. But it's the truth. George looked quizzical and asked, What about the guy we picked up whose prints were at the crime scene? Oh, him. The documents show that he hired two contract killers to kill his wife and frame it as the work of the Black Hooks. When that didn't work, he stole the painting himself. It dawned on Kate that Franklin was just doing the dirty work for this guy that they'd stopped. Do we have an idea on the guy yet? She offered. Yeah, it's Franklin's dad. Old Donovan never stops loving him. I don't know what that means. What the fuck? (laughs) But the whole time he was framing the Black Hooks, he was really working for the Donovans. Greg nodded. George couldn't believe that they hadn't checked out Franklin's family connections to criminal gangs. Surely they missed that connection. Well, that's just shitty police work. And with that, they were able to charge Franklin's father with the murder of the loan shark and get him sent away for life. The Donovans got whack with conspiracy to commit murder and sent to prison... (laughs) and was sent to prison for 25 years. Franklin himself got a bit more lenient treatment, hired killers, but still 20 years. The famous work of art that had been missing for weeks was finally found in the home of Franklin's father. It didn't turn out as valuable as everybody thought it was, but he got put back in the gallery. Kate and George got promoted as a result of the case and are now detectives first class. First class? They live happily ever after. And Kate suddenly kisses Greg, saying that she loves him for real this time. 
Greg sheds a single oh. tear as he puts the phone down. <gasps> Finally, he put the phone down. He is now alone. Oh my god, what? <laughs> and that's the end of the story. Wow! <laughs> so... I mean, Greg is a bit of an oddball. Oh, Greg's a fucking weirdo. But, let's be honest, he knows how to show a girl a good time. Those kind of, like... It's like a secret cinema thing. Yeah. You know what? But I think he would... He would be more lucky with ladies if he would put that fucking phone down. Yeah, he needs to put his phone down. He's he's constantly tip-tap-tapping and tapping and tipping. Yeah. Uh, Now, okay. I'm wondering um, what's going to happen with George and Evie. I think that's part two. Yeah, I mean, there might be a, a romantic relationship there. We don't, we don't know. I mean, we know he's going around for dinner. I sp- I was about to say he does he blows her off and doesn't go, but actually, it's probably all the same day. Yeah. This this was nothing if not an efficient police investigation. Well, it was quick anyway. Yeah. It was there a were a lot of dead ends. Um, it was a couple weeks, or so they say. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And I mean, Elas was kind of a dead end. Yeah. Was he, though? Well... Because they interrogated the... Uh, the, the, the Italian girls yeah. who worked at the Italian restaurant that presumably Elas also owned. Yeah. Also, um, one of the girls said that Franklin had fired her, but she was also still working there. <laughs> well, everybody knows that if you're in a managerial position and you leave, everybody who you fired gets to come back. Oh, that's that's, that that's just the law. That's just how that works now. Good. Well, then that's good. I have a few places that I can go back to. Yeah, yeah, and there's a big ceremony at the leaving, but it's it's complicated. I mean, the real victim here is Gerald, who all he wanted to do was steal that pain and make a fat wadge of money. And now he's lost his job because the painting was stolen. But what's interesting about this is it starts out, you think, oh, it's just going to be the theft of a painting. But then, but no. what a tangled web we weave. There's an entire conspiracy. There's, um, there's like some scientists in Germany going on. First, oh, Thirsty scientists at that. I love, I loved Dr. Grange. I want Dr. Grange to come back. I really liked her. You know, I'm actually okay with her not coming back. No, she's coming back. She's coming back in a big way. She's everyone's favorite character. Absolutely not. Absolutely. Oh yeah, and Kate is getting like stalked by a crazy murder doctor. Oh yeah, that never gets resolved. But at least it wasn't a body part. <laughs> it was a signed photo. It's just a signed <laughs> photo of the murder doctor. <laughs> But also, like, <laughs> how incompetent do you have to be to receive body parts in the post, then receive a signed picture? And not... Hopefully no with, like, a compliment slip with the return address on it. You know, Probably. with compliments. Crazy murder doctor. And then, like, still not be able to track down who's doing it. That's okay. I don't think Kate comes out of this well, if I'm honest. Oh, yeah, because she didn't even solve the murder. With a theft. That was Greg. Greg basically did the whole thing, and he only had to age a decade to do it. <laughs> he did. I forgot about that. It's baffling how there was a trade-off there between he he exchanged time off of his life in exchange for justice, and it's quite beautiful. It's it's um admirable, even. I think it is admirable. Well, basically. 
it's a different style of story that you know we, we're slightly changing the way we write them and as a result i think there's 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 a lot more coherence which is sometimes a good thing and sometimes a bad thing you know it's it's a bit less random but there's still moments in it that i think are pretty weird oh there's some really when when it hits it hits hard yeah i think that's probably how i would describe it so um it's it's more enjoyable to write because you're not constantly wrestling with this octopus that wants to take you in like seven different directions at once but actually you've kind of got something a bit more streamlined you get more pros at once and you know the computer's actually doing a lot more of the work in this scenario you know a good 95 percent of the words were from the computer here i think so um yeah no i'm quite impressed with that but it is uh it's it's a weird one it's a weird little story but um yeah thank you for joining us and uh if you've got an idea for a genre or or even like a rough plot that you want us to kind of uh try and weave around or a historical event you want us to base a story on the best I, I find i don't know about you but i find the best way to get in contact with us is uh on twitter yeah like sleepy underscore computer or or instagram actually you know you can probably use either tweet at us why don't you tweet at us and, and let us know and uh if if you know somebody who might enjoy this episode why not share it with them why not give the gift give the gift of uh like we're random we, computer yeah like AI weird esoteric stories. ai stories give that give be that guy yeah, give yeah. that gift you know what and that's what everyone wants for their birthday they may say i want an ipod but no <laughs> sorry who says i want an ipod what year is it it's 2006. Yeah, it's 2006. Um, okay, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Don't forget to jingle that bell. I actually don't really know what that means. Why would you jingle the bell? 